Guys, I, I, I travel with my mom a lot and we do a lot of parenting conferences and we always do Q and A's. I have never seen so many questions in my life. Yeah, you guys rocked it out with the <laughs> questions. Um, okay, so some of these questions we're gonna uh, address directly and then uh, shocker of all shockers when you have this many people together and you talk about sex. Um, a lot of the questions are very, very similar. And funny. And awesome. <laughs> um, it's, it's, uh, I almost said, uh, yeah. Nope. Um, no, nope, not going to. It's difficult. Don't do it. It is very difficult. It's difficult not to be a junior high boy at yes. this point in my life. Yes. Um, even though I'm a pastor with a master's of divinity, uh, the master's of divinity didn't mature me at all. Um, not when it comes to this stuff. Not when it comes to this stuff. Um, so uh, what I've done is I've kind of categorized some and then some we're going to just uh, kind of go at uh, and ask the question. And so uh, if you, if these questions are your questions um, and you don't feel like we've answered them adequately, like um, then come up and talk to us uh, either afterwards or I guess. Buy the book. Yeah, that's buy the really book. That's really what you should that's do. That's what uh, you should do. Um, no, uh, come up and talk to us afterwards. We're fairly approachable people. Um, this is, this is, I'm going to, I'm just going to kind of lay out some groundwork here. Uh, this is a no, like, uh, no judgment zone. All right, we'll just set that up as like the fences is, is put up now. Uh, so if you hear a question and uh, it makes you giggle, most likely it made me giggle too <laughs> when I read it. Um, and so it's okay to giggle. And if you giggle, the person who asked it, please don't get offended. Okay. Um, these things are just awkward. That's the way it goes. Um, that's why, literally, you don't know this, but our book was titled From Awkward to Equipped. Um, and then they changed it to Mom, Dad, What's Sex, which is even more awkward. Um, <laughs> but here we go. Uh, okay. Uh, first question, which I think was really uh, good, um, first kind of topic, uh, is how do, we, how do we initiate conversations with our kids? on this, and the question was specifically to dad, so I'm gonna tell you my experience in this. This is just my experience, and from here uh, kind of forward, we'll, if, we, if we're giving you our opinion, then we'll mark it as our opinion by saying this is our opinion. Um, if we think we can make a biblical case for it, then we'll tell you uh, how we would make a biblical case for it, okay? So um, I, look, I look to uh, the Proverbs, and I say, how does, how does the writer of the Proverbs uh, initiate a conversation? Um, Proverbs 5, my son. Uh, that teaches us something, right? Uh, Deuteronomy 6. Uh, we talk about the law uh, with our kids diligently every day. Um, so for me, what that looks like is it looks like a private conversation with my son or my daughter. Uh, yes, I do talk to my daughter about sex and sexuality. Um, and it can take the form of us either going out on a walk together. Um, it can take the form of us sitting down with the door closed um, in my office or in her bedroom. Um, it can take the form of uh, us, us out for ice cream or yogurt. Um, Dads, you've got to be involved, right? That's what that means. Um, when you get home from work, you can't just kick on the TV and check out for the night, thinking your work for the day is done. Um, dads, your work for the day starts when your kids wake up, and it ends when your wife and your kids are all in bed. Um, that's your time to be with your family and to be present. Um, so how do I start this with my kids? We sit down and I call it what it is. Um, I called it what it was. I said, um, I want to talk to you about, uh, about sex and sexuality. And um, that started with my kids, like I said, when they were in junior high, um, when they first got into junior high. Um, but even before that, we were having uh, short conversations, little, little touch points as my daughter, uh, the school district that we grow in, uh, that our kids go to is... Uh, fairly supportive of uh, LGBTQ uh, plus issues. And so they're, they're, uh, they're confronted with that every day. Uh, my daughter has, uh, one of her best friends is bisexual. Um, my son has friends who are homosexual. Um, 
And so when they start to talk about those things, right, I'm right there to talk to them. But then also uh, I've created an atmosphere in my house where the gospel is, uh, the gospel frees us to ask hard questions. And um, so uh, that means that my kids can come to me and say, um, my, my best friend is bisexual. Um, what, do, what do I do with that? I know the Bible says that homosexuality is wrong. How do I deal with that? And as a dad, um, I have to be honest too and say, well, honey, um, some of my best friends are homosexual. And like, this is really a difficult, difficult topic. You see, you call it what it is and what it does, what that does, instead of saying, oh my gosh, you should never hang out with that person, right? Which BTW, when you say that to your kid, your kid's gonna go hang out with that person at school. It's just gonna happen. Um, that's what kids do. It's what I did. Um, you call it what it is, and then you lovingly, supportively, um, in an, and in a very encouraging way, uh, you begin to try to draw your kid uh, out of out of their shell. So, Jess, you can you can take that for moms. And uh, yeah, I. <laughs> dup, dup, dup. Uh, you're you're going to do this differently with your different kids, okay? So. Know your children, right? Um, so how I talk to my 20-year-old is not how I talk to my 15-year-old. My 15-year-old, when she was like seven, was asking questions, like lots of questions, okay? That mm -hmm. my 20-year-old never would have asked me. So you need to know your kids. You need to be approachable, right? You need to, so when they come to you, you're not just like, in my mind, or like when they come to you and say, I have a friend who's bisexual or a friend who's gay, in my mind, I have the bitmoji where the, you're in the, like, Godzilla outfit, and you're like, ah! Like, they need to not have that picture of you. They need to have a picture of you that's like, hey, come, let's sit down and talk about this without you flying off the handle at the hint of anything sexual. Um, so know your kids. Uh, one great way, <laughs> and this is going to sound funny, but also not a joke, is like, if this book is sitting out where they can see it, and they're like, oh, what are you? When we were researching for this book, I had so many books on sex just kind of scattered around my house. Yeah. And, my, and, and I think it's important to say not just Christian books, but non-Christian yes. books as well. Yeah. Yeah. So, so many books around the house, they're like, oh. And, and then you can even say to them, hey, I'm reading this book, and I just want you to know I am always available to talk to you about sex. So even if you feel like it's a difficult question to ask, like hear me say I'm here and I will listen and I'm going to try not to freak out and try not to make it too awkward for you. It, I mean, talk about how it's awkward. There's, yeah. You know, there's nothing wrong with that. So, go ahead. Yeah, I think another that just popped into my mind um, as, as we're talking about this is um, be aware and be open to the fact that your kid may not want to talk about it and if they don't want to talk about it, then give them the respect as a human being to not talk about it at that point. Um, but circle back around. But circle like, back not around. Not like, okay, we won't ever talk about this, but we are going to have this conversation at some point. Yeah. We but will. Especially as dads. Um, yeah. As dads, that can, be, uh, that can be something that's difficult when you're talking to your daughters. If they don't want to talk to you at that moment about this, then you need to respect that. Um, you need to respect that. You need to tell them that you love them and affirm that you love them. Affirm that, um, affirm that you're not going to be angry with them if they say no. And then give them the space to say no. But just ensure them that, look, at some point, I'm going to circle back around with you in the next couple of weeks. Would that be okay with you? Um, I mean, that's, that's treating somebody as a human being. Um, yes, they are your child. Yes, uh, God's given them to you uh, to, to guide them and love them and direct them, but they are a human being, and so we need to treat them with respect. Yeah, and then also just as far as ages, again, I, I think I told you earlier, and Joel said, you know, you've got to, this is not a conversation we can wait on anymore. It's just not. My friend was um, with her son at the dentist office, and her son was like eight, and a bunch of kids were overlooking at an iPhone, and she thought they were playing a game. 
dentist office waiting room, he viewed por porn for the first time, okay? So you, you, we don't have the luxury of just waiting. You have to have these conversations early. Justin and Lindsay Holcomb wrote a great book, which I think this might actually address another um, question called God Made All of Me. It's for, I think, like as, as five-year-olds, and it talks about like even as far as what's inappropriate touch for a kid that age, um, if who can touch them. So like you, we shouldn't be forcing our kids to hug your uncle. I mean, it, it, you can't just be like, Uncle so-and-so wants to hug you, so let him. No. We need to set up good boundaries for our kids to, to keep them safe and to let them know that you know, their body is their own and is not to be touched by anybody else unless they give their permission. So Justin and Lindsay Holcomb, God made all of me. If you, I think there was a question about that. That is a... Oh, perfect. On the resources page. That is a great book to start with. So if you're starting with your kids when they're young, talking about these things, these are going to be easier conversations to have. Yeah, and the book, the book is actually written, uh, God Made All of Me, is written almost like a kid's book. It, yeah, so you could literally just read it with your kid right there. And um, it's super, super helpful. We've read that with our kids. Uh, my... Um, Another, another great book um, that I'd like to recommend is Mom, Dad, What's Sex? <laughs> it's available right out there. Um, it's a great book. Um, but yeah, you need, to, you need to talk about it. I mean, the reality is there's no one book that's going to like, uh, that's like the magic key to unlock right. uh, making this conversation easy. And the reality is it's just constant, persistent uh, going back, loving, open, kind conversations that happen over over a lifetime. Okay, um, another one: uh, LGBT issues. Uh, how do we talk talk to our kids about these? Um, uh, talk to them about the reality of what the Bible says, as well as then teach uh, teach your kids how to how to love uh, people who struggle in these areas. Um, I think the first thing uh, is if you're going to talk to your kids about something like this, you have to be willing to practice it yourself. Um, so if you, if, you, uh, if you don't know someone who, who, uh, is, who would put themselves firmly in that camp or have or a person who has same-sex attractions, um, then I'd encourage you to go out and make friends. Yeah. Um, make friends of people who, who have that. Uh, it's uh, like we were talking about last night uh, with dehumanizing people. It's easy to draw a caricature um, and, then, and then tear that caricature apart. Uh, and if you're consistently doing that uh, in your house, especially with people who struggle with same-sex attraction, then your kid is going to do that. Um, your kid's going to pick up on that or they're going to rebel against it, right? And, and go the complete opposite direction. Can I just um, say, well, and they may do that anyways. Uh, uh, Preston Sprinkle wrote a book called um, Homosexuality, a People to be Loved, Not an Issue to be Fixed, something like that. Um, and it, in that book, he talks about how the majority of kids who come out at, um, identifying as LGBTQ plus um, grew up in the church. The, the big majority. It's like three out of five kids. Yeah, I think it was like 70 or 80 percent. Yeah, okay, so when you're talking or you use the words, you know, oh, that's so gay at home, and you use it in a derogatory sense, you could be actually hurting your child at that moment who might end up um, identifying that way. So please be careful about the words you use at home. Um, it's stuff we don't even think about. It, yeah, or you say, like, that's so gross. Oh, right, when you see people who are... That's something yeah. that, that a famous, uh, a famous uh, pastor came out and said. Yes. The yuck factor that really gets him. Um, the reality is, is all of our sin is yucky to God, and yet God didn't use that as a way to demean us. And so we should be very careful with the way that we use our words um, to describe other people. Uh, yes. Am I off? Am I on? Am I off? Am I on? I'm on according to this. Am I on now? Okay, cool. Um, well, I'm glad that that whole part about another pastor was off. Um, <laughs> <laughs> uh, 
Hopefully Jess's mic didn't pick that up. Um, you know, we need to be really careful with the way we talk about people. We need to understand um, that people who struggle with same-sex attraction, with people who, uh, who uh, feel like God's made them or put them in the wrong body, um, we need to be very careful that those are very real things to those people. Um, and that's a very real heartache and pain uh, for them. And they are uh, um, generally, generally ostracized by their families, um, by any community that they've had. Um, and so uh, really the church ought to be. Uh, Rosaria Butterfield wrote a great book called The Gospel Comes with a House Key. Um, in that book, she talks about welcoming these people into, into her home. I mean, that's, that's who we need to be as a community of faith who actually has hope um, for people. Uh, I think also another great book by Ed Shaw is, uh, is called Same-Sex Attraction in the Church, Making the Celibate, uh, making the celibate Life Plausible. Um, again, we need to be, we need to be aware uh, in our churches uh, of the reality that, um, that the nuclear family isn't the only option for people in life. Uh, celibacy is another option. Uh, singleness is another option. And we need to, we need to as a church, um, we need to be thinking about how we gear our ministries, how we talk about our ministries to make people who are single um, welcome in our churches. Um, make people who are single and struggle with same-sex attraction feel like they have a family. Right, because I think um, most of the people that were interviewed that talk about how they grew up in the church and uh, experienced same-sex attraction, they did not leave the church because of the teaching of the church, that it was wrong. <laughs> they left the church because of the way they were treated. Right. Okay, so what do we do with people who experience same-sex attraction? You welcome them. Yeah. They're a sinner just like you are. Yep. They have distorted desires just like you do. So it's not this us, them, it's us, right. okay? And that's so important for your kids to hear you say that. Not just hear you say it, but practice it. Yeah, see and, you practice it. Right, and in the way you talk about stuff. So if mm -hmm. you see a gay pride parade, you're not like, ugh, that's yeah. ugh. Yeah. No, those are image bearers. Right. They're people created in the image of God. And so we want to love on those people. Yeah, and we, we do things uh, unwittingly. Um, for a long time, I talked about uh, people uh, with same-sex attraction as people who struggle with same-sex attraction. And, uh, and one of my friends called me on it and said, actually, uh, like, we aren't struggling at all. Um, this is just real for us. Uh, and so we've got to be really careful, and we've got to be respectful. And I think in those ways, we begin to teach our kids how to just have normal dialogue. I mean, good Lord, we've forgotten that um, in our country. <laughs> and usually, like, I'm not a God and country sort of person, so I'd almost never talk about politics standing up here. But good Lord, if we've forgotten one thing over the last eight years, um, it's how to actually talk with people we disagree with and talk about people who we disagree with, with love and respect and generosity. Um, so uh, that means that, uh, I know that we're in a PCA church, but um, that means that Democrats and liberals, they, aren't, they don't all worship Satan. Um, Wait, what? They don't. Some people, I mean, I know this is a shocker, some people are Christians, who vote for Democrats. Um, and I know up here that probably doesn't need to be said, um, but yet uh, if it goes unsaid, then, um, then you know, there's assumptions that are made. And so we need, to, we need to really think clearly and in a nuanced way how to do that. And then we need to teach our kids how to do that well. And we need to teach our kids how to, how to uh, love people um, and yet disagree with them in a way where you can reaffirm your love for them, but also just disagree with them on an issue. Right, and that atmosphere of grace will free your kids up to be able to talk to you about stuff. 
So if they see that, oh, my parents really disagree with that, they've told me they don't agree, they don't think it's biblical, and yet they're still willing to love them and speak with respect and kindness, then your kids are going to feel that they can talk to you about stuff. So tell your kids they're allowed to disagree with you. I mean, they're going to do it anyway. Right. But if you tell them, hey, I, let's have a dialogue. You disagree with me? Cool. Let's talk about it. Instead of like, ah, this is what I said until you get out of my house, you have to agree with me, whatever, okay? Just, like, if they see you welcoming people you disagree with, then they're going to feel free to talk to you about it instead of hide in shame. Yeah. Okay? That's good. Okay, uh, next question. Does that answer the question? Uh, Do you feel like, yeah, okay. Uh, That's a huge one, at least in San Diego. It's a huge one. I'm sure it is up here as well. Um, Let's, uh, let's go to the next one. What's the church's biblical response to a young, uh, unmarried woman who's unexpectedly expecting? Um, I think you can just look uh, in the Bible to find Jesus' response to the woman at the well. Um, I think that's a, that's a helpful guide to start out with. Uh, how, do we, how do we treat people who uh, come in and are unexpectedly expecting? Um, I think, first of all, uh, we need to understand um, that people, people uh, sin. Um, we need to admit that we sin. Um, Luther's quote, right, we carry the nails that hung Christ to the cross in our pockets every day. Um, in that way, uh, if you actually truly believe that about yourself, uh, when a young woman comes in and has, uh, has had, uh, is pregnant, um, and is not married, then there can be this culture and this atmosphere uh, that loves on her uh, deeply. Um, and, uh, you know, the reality is, is that being pro-life, um, being pro-life really, uh, it doesn't just mean you're, you're against abortion. Um, it means that you're actually for life and for flourishing in every phase. So a church that does that, a church that has somebody who comes in their doors, uh, whether it's a daughter of the church or someone who just walks in off the street, um, there ought to be um, this almost overwhelming sense of family, of familial care and love for someone who's like that. Um, Like I've said a million times, you call a spade a spade, right? Um, But in calling a spade a spade, you also... You also welcome and love and, uh, and provide for right. that person. And so that means that the gospel comes with a cost. Um, and quite frankly, the cost looks like this. Um, the cost looks like this. Uh, the cost looks like your heart and your love. It looks like your home and your money. Mm-hmm. Um, it looks like you being willing to take that girl in who may be shunned by her family and make her your own daughter. That's what it looks like. That's what, that's what the gospel drives us to do. Why? Not just because we want to be nice people, but good Lord, people, that's what God does for you. Mm-hmm. <laughs> He's given you. I, you're, you're a co-heir with Christ. Um. You're a co-heir with Christ. All of Christ's inheritance, he shares with you when you are a complete dumpster fire. That's what he does. So we turn to our neighbor and we love them. Right. And again, I'm coming back to you with all these statistics about kids that grow up in the church. But uh, the majority of kids who, girls who get abortions are churchgoers because they're too ashamed to come forward. I mean, I just read that in the last week. Yep. The majority of those girls that get abortions are not out there. They're in here. And they can't admit what has happened because we've said, you break this rule, you're out. Okay? So that's, that's, that's damning for the church. Like, we're pro-life. Welcome those girls. Yep. I mean, they've got to hear from us. We're all sinners. We're all sinners. They're too ashamed to say I've I've gotten pregnant, you know. So that's a huge one. Mm-hmm. We need to be proactive again, and not so when a girl gets pregnant in the church, it's not like your kids overhear you. 
Do you hear sound? Yeah. Well, mm -hmm. her parents and blah, blah, blah. Right. right? That sort of self-righteousness that just ugh, stews in the church. It's like, no, welcome that girl in. I'm going to go be a little crazy and say, throw her a baby shower. Yeah. Buy her what she needs. Mm -hmm. We are not going to push her out and punish her. We want to bring her in close. Yeah. Okay? That's how girls don't, I mean, we think, oh, if we just shame it and, you know, make a big deal, then they're not going to get pregnant. They're getting pregnant anyway. They're having abortions you don't know about. Bring yeah. them in. Yeah. I mean, in, in reality, in that way, like lots of people talk about wanting to go back um, to the way that the early church functioned. Um, in that way, that's how the early church functioned, right? The early church was known for taking care of widows, for taking care of, um, of the people who were the outcasts of society. And in America, and especially in American churches, uh, you have an abortion, uh, you struggle with uh, issues of sexuality, or you have an uh, unmarried pregnancy, and you are, you are the, the shamed ones of a congregation. And then you tack on there like the slightly shamed ones are the single people um, who want to be married but don't have a spouse. Um, in the church, we ought, to be, we ought to be a place where we welcome mm. and we love and we bring the, the healing balm of the gospel to that. So, um, like, I'm sure um, I don't need to say this in this church, um, but uh, for anybody who's listening... Um, that means that uh, pastors, uh, things, simple things like uh, reading the law and, um, and then reading the gospel and pronouncing absolution um, based on the promises of Christ, start to begin to build that culture in a church um, where people can feel like, oh, my sins are forgiven. I've been set free. Um, okay. You feel like that's good? Yeah? All right. Uh, natural physiology, um, things like uh, wet dreams, spontaneous erections, things like that. Um, how do we talk to our kids about that? First of all, that's totally normal. Um, like a kid, kid has a has an erection. Like that's what kids do. Um, <laughs> quite frankly, quite frankly, that's what grown men do. Okay. Um, like, I don't, I, I don't even know how to, how to like. Oh, okay, like, okay, um, maybe, 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 um, let me, let me help moms then. Um, moms, it doesn't take much. It could just be like the right angle of, of the fan and like. From my memory, please. I know it's awkward. I'm sorry, Jessica. Um, okay. But especially like uh, prepubescent boys and then uh, boys who are going through puberty, uh, things, like, things like erections, uh, wet dreams, those things are normal. Um, like prepubescent boys who have erections and they like touch themselves, like that's normal. That's like what kids do. A part of their body is sticking out that doesn't normally stick out. I mean... You're gonna touch it like it's just that's what guys do, okay? Um, they see something weird and they're like, "Bink." Um, okay. Uh, I don't. I don't know how to answer that. So you just talk to them about it, right? Like, you see, you see that happening with your kid, and you just say, like, "Hey, like that's normal. It's not something you should be ashamed of. Every guy does that." You know what's really damaging when you don't say anything about it and then all of a sudden they're ashamed of it and then they try to hide it their whole lives. You see, sexual sin loves to hide in the dark. Um, and then all of a sudden touching it turns into masturbation and um, masturbation turns into pornography and then it is this whole thing that happens, this whole complex of things that happens. Um, because we've tried to like, um, we've tried to keep something mystical that isn't mystical. Right. Um, you just pull back, pull uh, like open the open. I was gonna say pull back uh, the don't, covers. Don't don't pull back the awkward. covers. <laughs> don't do that. <laughs> <laughs> 
keep those things covered up. <laughs> um, oh, no. man, I'm going to give you a no. really hard time about that That's forever. Good. This is going to be good. Um, but, like, uh, demystify it, right? Yeah. I mean, yeah, like, an erection is an erection. Welcome to the world of being a guy. Um, and and let's talk also... about it. And let's let's talk about how to deal with it in a way that's good and right and honors God with your body. And if you do find out that your kid is masturbating, then um, then you call them on it. Um, you know, we we say what it is, and then we pray that the Holy Spirit moves um, in them uh, to make them uh, think a different way about that. But we also understand, like. Um, Kids touch themselves. Right. God created us sexual beings. Okay? It's not... He did that on purpose. Okay? So, There's a reason why all our nerve endings are in yes. those, uh, those areas uh, of our body. I cannot believe we're talking about this. Yeah, we are. Uh, we're going there. <laughs> um, so God made us sexual beings, but also um, there are little kids that like... It's not even sexual, and they're touching themselves yeah, or rubbing good. up against things. Like, there's mm-hmm. lots of studies on that. Read about it. They're not beings. They're not trying to sexually gratify themselves. They're just figuring their bodies out. Okay? I think a lot of times in Christianity, like, we say our bodies are bad, and, you know, our desires are That's bad. Good. No, God made them. Like, it's a good thing. But we need to tell, give right limits. So if you find out that your kid is masturbating, I mean, if you haven't found out, it's probably happening, okay? I just, let's be real. (laughs) You find out your kid is masturbating. uh, You know, you talk to them about, this is actually a good gift not to be enjoyed selfishly. Like, this is something that you're going to give to somebody. This is a good thing. Um, yeah, that's, that's like, the, like what we were talking about last night. I mean, this is why the Bible is so great. Um, like, the Bible talks about this sort of stuff. I mean, it just does. Um, that's the Apostle Paul, right, in, in 1 Corinthians 5, 6, and 7. Like, we don't use our sexuality for, for ourselves. ourselves yeah. We use it uh, to serve another person. Um, you know, there's a lot of debate over whether, over whether and this is, like, there's scholarly, biblical, Christian brothers and sisters in Christ who would debate us um, over whether masturbation is a sin or not. Um, if you don't believe me, like, go pick up a... Don't Google go, it. Don't Google it, that's for sure. <laughs> go pick up the NIV application commentary on 1 Corinthians. Um, and like, I'll just tell you, you're going to read it right there. Um, good, scholarly, biblical person writing that commentary. There's a debate on that. But you've got to hold out a, a, like this picture of sex and sexuality that's something that's beautiful and is not meant for our own gratification, even though it does gratify us, but it's meant to drive us to love somebody else and to, you know, do, do the two great commandments, right? Love God and love your neighbor. Um, yeah. Part of this other question about masturbation was uh, the the teen says that they're talking to their youth pastor. Great. That's fantastic. Let them. He doesn't have to be like, I think I was talking about that earlier. Like we feel like if they're not talking to us specifically, then something's wrong. No, God gave us this family for a reason. So if they're talking to their youth pastor, that's awesome. You know, that's a good thing. If your kid is willing to talk to their youth pastor about masturbating, I mean, come on. Yeah. That's a good thing. That's a good thing, especially in, a, in like a church context like this. That's fantastic, right? My youth pastor had a different view on masturbation than my parents did, right? Which made like forced me to actually wrestle with that question. Um, but like those are good things. That's why God calls us into a community of people. And some people are, right, the head, some people are the hands, some people are the feet, right? They're all given honor by God. Um, yeah. Okay. Uh, next one. Um, wow. There's a lot here. Um, okay. Sorry. I'm going to take one that yeah, talked about, uh, I'm trying to find it. It talked about, like, 
like watching movies or TV. Yeah, that's um, good. Mm -hmm. Do you know that one? Do you see yeah, it? yeah, I'll find okay. it here. It's so, in a pile. Okay, so it was like, how do we uh, let our kids watch TV and movies without completely sheltering them? Or, you know, how do we engage the culture? Mm -hmm. Such a Christian phrase. Mm -hmm. How do we engage the culture without... Um, Ask Tim Keller. Yeah. Ask Tim Keller. Um, listen, all, all good stories reflect the good story. So as your kids watch shows or movies or whatever, you're talking to them. Like, hey, yeah. did you see the one good story that someone came to save a group of people that, you know, there, there is one hero. There is overcoming, conquering love. Like, it's in every story. This, this prototype, this, like, you can see Jesus in almost every story. So be talking to them about it. It's not like culture's bad, movies are bad, TV is bad. It's like, no. Like, talk to them about it. Let's talk about what you see that you agree with. Let's talk about what you see that you don't agree with. Let's talk about how we see Jesus in this. Um, we don't have to be afraid of the culture, okay? Again, you don't have to be afraid. We have something better than what the culture's offering. Yeah. And um, then, can I just, yeah, one more? Yeah. And then, um, uh, my mom and I wrote a book, Give Them Grace. Like, we have a whole chapter on this. So, Give Them Grace, go buy that one too. And there's an entire chapter that talks about how we do this with our kids. So, uh, as a youth pastor, I would actually, um, every, every, quarter of instead of youth group we would have what I called dinner in a movie where I'd like give the kids dinner right I uh, usually not pizza because pizza just makes uh, junior hires and high schoolers have gas and you don't want that in your house um I usually feed them something that wouldn't give them gas or indigestion and then we'd watch a movie unless we were in the church fellowship hall at which point like go for it um <laughs> Gosh, and, why? Uh, why did you feel like because you had to I talk told about you it's like a junior high thing <laughs> going on right now, um, and we would per I would purposefully pick movies um, that were that were important movies in the culture. Um, so like we we watched uh, Hidden Figures and talked about uh, systemic racism um, in in our culture. Uh, we watched Wonder Woman and talked about the distortion of sex. Um, in there, not because Wonder Woman is a strong, powerful woman, but because in that in that movie, there's a whole a whole section, um, probably about 15 minutes worth, of talk about sex. Um, Wonder Woman, uh, Gal uh, Gadot walks in and sees Chris Pine naked, right, and like then they talk about premarital sex and how like. The church kind of looks down on it, and the culture kind of looks down on it. But, like, if she's okay with it, then he's okay with it. And then she's like, well, like, um, you know, men really aren't, aren't useful for anything but procreating. Like, they aren't even, like, useful for pleasure. And then it's like, why do people even get married? Because they don't fulfill their vows, right? And in that whole section, right, we have a great chance then instead of to ignoring that, we can enter into that and have a dialogue about what that's saying to our kids. Yeah, that's good. So, you know, be wise about the movies they watch. Like, uh, don't, don't let them go and watch whatever movie they want to watch. Right. Right? Um, IMDb, really helpful if you don't know this. Uh, they have a, a parent's guide to the movie where they'll actually tell you, like, everything that happens in a movie. Um, so watch it and then be, be, be prepared. Um, be prepared to thoughtfully, critically think about a movie and show them, uh, point them to Jesus in it. Can I answer this one really quick? Yeah, go for it. Is there an appropriate age when my child of the opposite sex should stop seeing me naked in the shower changing peeing? I mean, it's going to be different for every kid, I think. Uh, I think, you know, when your kid asks you questions, that's fine. Like, how are we different? But when you, like, see, like, they're continuing to stare you know, maybe put some clothes on. So, um, I just really, but I do think that that's different. Every kid matures differently. Every yep. kid ages differently. Their brain works differently. So I wouldn't be like, oh, at this age, stop. Um, 
I gotta tell this story. I'm sorry, this is gonna be so bad, but I was selling books at a, the book table. This is where all my good stories come from. And a woman came up to me. We have the we have a my mom and I have a book called Answering Your Kids' Toughest Questions. And she's like, Do you talk about we're a naked family? And uh, her son was like 12. She's like, We all, as soon as we get home, we just talk, all get our we all take our clothes off and walk around naked. Do you guys talk about that? I'm like, no. But here's some advice. Cover that up. I mean, 12 is too old. That's the point of that story, okay? Jeez, that was... <laughs> you got to keep that poker face. I'm like... Mm-hmm. Why don't you buy the book? Um, anyway... Yeah, I mean, when your kid is, like, continuing to stare and stuff or try to, like, whack you, you just, it's probably time to put clothes on. I think you know. I mean, I think as parents, we yeah. get that feeling, like, oh, well, that got awkward. Mm-hmm. You know? So, I don't think there's an, uh, you've got to know your kids, right? right? There's nothing wrong with showering with them when they're young or whatever. I don't think there's anything wrong with that. But there comes a point when that needs to change. Yeah, although, um, I will say this, uh, as a as a man who has been molested as a kid, um, like I I I've set up very very clear boundaries. Like my kids never like my I've I've never um, showered with any of my kids, never once. Um, I anytime anytime I was uh, in in the church nursery, and it's not like I've ever molested someone, right? I just know like the pain that comes from that. Um, um, when I was in the church nursery, right? And so churches, for the love of all that's good, you need multiple people in your nursery. Um, people cannot walk kids to the bathroom by themselves. Um, like that's, like you've got to set appropriate boundaries. And so for someone who's been molested, um, you need to be thoughtful. You need to be thoughtful, um, not only about like the shame that you bring, um, but also like how you may be importing shame and guilt into something that may not even be there. Okay. So you gotta be, you gotta be aware of that. Um, this isn't, this isn't, uh, this isn't, uh, like rocket science. It's just being aware. Um, okay. Uh, next question. I think we're going to take a couple of these together, uh, um, how do we start to talk to our kids um, about things that other kids are saying to them? How do we answer questions that our kids are having about their brothers and sisters? Um, like we said, you need to have an open, an open dialogue. I mean, you need to, you need to be parents who are safe parents. Um, not just for your kids, but good Lord, for other people's kids as well. Um, like, you need to be a safe parent who kids can ask you questions and get real, good, nuanced, gospel-centered yeah. questions or answers from. And then you need to be humble enough to say, like, I just don't know. I just don't know. Um, but, you know, I think that as soon as, as, soon as you start to uh, do, like, the shutting things down, um, your kid's going to go, look, they just are. Like, I mean, that's the world we live in. And all it takes is a Google search. Um, my friend said vagina, right? Or what is a vagina? And then, uh, yeah, good luck uh, keeping hold on that. And you can have the circle at home. You can have uh, internet filters at home. There's computers at the library. There's computers at your kids' schools. There's computers with their friends. They carry computers in their pockets. I think um, I, was, I was talking to a friend, and they had, like, the circle, and they had covenant eyes, and they had all this stuff. And, um, and this guy, like, handed his phone to his brother and was like, you know, older brother, um, and was like, yeah, see if you can get through our, our system. And his brother handed the phone to his kid, and his kid got through the system in, like, five minutes. Um, kids are smart. They know how to, how to get around things. Um, and so, you know, you really need to be open, you need to be clear, you need to be honest, um, and you need, to be, you need to be safe, okay? Um, 
How do we talk to our kids about sexual sin as they grow up from uh, young kids to teens? Um, I think it starts with building a biblical view of sexuality. That's actually why we started this talk and we started the book with those, with those chapters. So buy the book, read the chapters, start to talk about it in an appropriate way with your kids. Um, and, then, and then I think like you've heard from us, uh, the reality is, is there is no sexual sin that disqualifies you from the mercy of God. Um, and so you build a place where kids are, are um, you're able to, your kids are able to come to you and talk to you about their struggles. Um, and if they don't, you encourage them to go talk to somebody else. Um, and you, you need to call, uh, you need to, to call sexual sin, sexual sin. Um, but you need to not, uh, not put it into the, into the realm of there's no recovering from it, which I think asks, uh, answers another question that says, how do, we di- how do we discipline our kids without making them uh, like overwhelmed with shame, which I'm going to pass to you. Good luck. <laughs> well, I mean, how do you discipline your kids without, well, that's got to come from you uh, believing that you're forgiven. You believe you're forgiven, you believe that you're a sinner and that you're forgiven, then you can share that with your kids. You believe that God is disappointed in you because of what you did yesterday, you're going to share that with your kids. Like, so however you think God is with you is how you're going to be with your kids. Um, You soak yourself in the gospel, then you can share that with your kids, but ultimately... I mean, we can, we can know the gospel for ourselves, but again, ultimately, it's the Holy Spirit that has to do that work in their heart, right? So yeah, you can share the, share the gospel, say the right things, be convinced of God's love for you by the work of the Holy Spirit, but if uh, that hasn't happened in your child's heart, then they're going to feel shame, and they're going to, mm-hmm. I mean, they should. Mm-hmm. So uh, you tell them the truth of the gospel, Pray for their hearts to be regenerated. Pray for the Holy Spirit to work. Uh, But it's not up to you. You know? You can't control your kids' responses. Um, Yeah, and I think this goes to another question that says, how should a parent respond if they catch their child viewing pornography? Um, I think one of the ways that we don't don't bring shame into our kids' lives is... um, A lot of times, uh, parents will explode in public about something that their kid does, and we need to be very careful about who's around uh, when we begin to talk to our kid about it. Um, you don't want to normalize things like looking at porn. Um, you just don't. Uh, but on the flip side of that, um, you don't want to make a, uh, you you really want to be careful. Um, you want to be careful in how you how you speak about that sin. Um, I, I just think about David, right? Um, in Psalm thirty-two and Psalm fifty-one, um, uh, talking to God about uh, confessing his sin to God, um, and I think that as parents is one of these great things that we get to do with our kids. We get to lead them into that. I mean, we need, we get to assure them of the forgiveness of Christ. So, um, so like as a youth pastor, I've helped uh, tons of families who have caught their kids looking at porn. And, um, you know, the initial response is almost inevitably the same. And that's like shock and sadness and like shame that the parents have uh, for themselves. Like I failed you. Um, I'm such a horrible parent. Or they feel like, how could you do this to me? Um, and those sorts of, those sorts of words, um, I'm so ashamed of you. Uh, you ought to be ashamed of yourself. Um, you know, those sorts of words, uh, like, uh, they, they do exactly what um, they're, they're talking about. Um, so, you know, you be careful. Uh, when you sin... Um, and somebody catches you in that sin, um, how, how, what's, the, what's the best way uh, for someone to help you be led into repentance and into life change? Um, if Jessica gets angry and I just yell at her and say, stop being angry. I can't believe you do that. 
Is that going to change Jessica? Is that going to make her want to come and talk to me about her anger? Probably not. Um, but if I, if I say, like, this is, this is an egregious sin against God. Like, this is bad. Um, but praise God, he, like, he helps people who are really, really bad. Um, and so let's talk through why it's bad. Let's talk through... Um, in a normal, calm voice, let's talk through uh, the consequences that are going to happen because you did this. But let's also talk and, and rejoice over the forgiveness of right. Christ. And then when you see your kid wallowing in shame because of what they've done, um, uh, my son is, is consistently like this. He'll do something, and it won't even be sinful. It'll just be stupid. Um, and uh, it'll just be something that, like, a normal 12-year-old boy does that's just dumb, you know? Because um, they don't think. Most 40-year-old men don't think either. But, um, you know, they just don't think, right? And you see them start to bring that up and use it as a tool to, like, beat themselves up with, like, you've got to be there ready to just put an end to that in a loving and a kind way and say, like, no, buddy. <laughs> like, that's done with. Yeah. Like, what you've done, I mean, it's that great hymn, right? Our sins are the bliss of this glorious thought. Our sins, not in part but the whole, were nailed to the cross, and I bear them no more. Thank the Lord. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord, O my soul. Right? I mean, that's the point. How do you release someone from shame? You take shame's power away by showing that it doesn't have rule and reign over a person. Does that make sense? Is that helpful? Yeah? Okay. Cool. Um, we're almost to 11.30. What Listen, do we want to uh, do next? What about sleepovers, yes or no, oh, smart yeah. guidelines? Listen, again, this is something that you do for your own family. I don't know if there's an across-the-board answer besides yes, be safe, yes, teach your kids about appropriate touching, um, be proactive in that. But again, I think, uh, I know there are, there are this is a, an opinion thing, okay? I don't think you can build a biblical basis for this. I know that there are uh, big Christian names that have come out and said no sleepovers ever. Okay, if that's what you're convicted, great. Um, if you, again, I'm going to say this over and over again, uh, we can build all the fences and try to protect our kids all we want, but things are going to happen that are not in your control. And it's horrible, and it's the sin-cursed, broken world we live in, but things are going to happen that are not in your control. So you do your best, you educate your kids, you talk to them, you don't just let them go sleep over at anybody's house that you've never met in your entire life. Um, use common sense, but I don't know. I mean, you can chime in on that. I don't know mm -hmm. if there's like a, I think you, you need to do what's best for your family yeah. and you need to know your kids. If your kid is susceptible to something or uh, you don't think that they're strong to stand up or whatever it is, I mean, I, I think yeah. you know your kid. Yeah, and as a as a as a uh, guy who's been molested, right? I mean, my my uh, thing for my kids is just establishing uh, appropriate boundaries for yeah. what is right and wrong for someone to touch. Yeah. You um, and then also warning them about it, um, not in a way that's like scary, that they think that like there's a sexual molester like hiding in every closet. Um, but in a way that, uh, says this is something like we live in a broken world. This is something that happens in a broken mm -hmm. world. And no matter what threats that person makes against you, um, your dad is here to protect you. Mm -hmm. And if anybody touches you, you need to feel absolutely free. I will not be angry with mm -hmm. you. I will not condemn you. If anybody rapes you or molests you, I will not condemn you. You come to me, you tell me, and we will deal with it. I will deal with it, and, mm -hmm. and I will protect you. Mm -hmm. You see, that's the great thing um, about being a dad, right? You're, you're in some ways, you model the three offices of Christ, right? You're a prophet, a priest, and a king. Um, and when you take on that kingly function of guarding, um, guarding your family, um, and you establish that from the very beginning, um, then your kid can feel safe, right? And you just tell them, like, if a dad comes into a room where you're alone 
and tries to close the door, you start screaming and you run. Um, you get the, get the heck out of there. Um, if, if someone starts to touch you inappropriately, even if it just you makes you, text, like, even yeah, if even it's it makes on you the leg uncomfortable. or on the arm, like, yeah. if it makes you feel uncomfortable at all, you're out of there. Yeah. Tell, give them the freedom mm -hmm. to do that. Like, we mm -hmm. think, oh, you have to be polite. No. No, you don't. You don't have to be polite. If someone comes up and hugs you or touches you and your kid doesn't feel comfortable, give them the power to say no. And teach them how to say no, not just with their, with their, uh, with their mouths verbally, but also with their fists. <laughs> um, I mean, my kids both take MMA classes. There's a reason for that. Um, there's a very real reason for that. Because my daughter is a beautiful daughter and is incredibly trusting of people. And I want my daughter to know if someone touches her in an inappropriate way, she will be able to disable that person. Um, that gives me safety. That gives her safety. She feels more confident. Um, there's nothing that says in the Bible where you have to be, uh, you have to let somebody hug you for too long. Just nothing. Um, yeah. Okay. Let's do that and then be done. Okay. Um, and do that one in four minutes. Yeah. Okay. Uh, <laughs> okay. Real quickly. So this is like, how do you address sexual activities outside of normal sex, oral sex, whatever? Okay. So, uh, listen again, it's this principle. We're not going to build all these rules. It, it, all the rules are good and appropriate. It's this principle. Sex is made to enjoy inside marriage. Um, and we talked about this, like, how do you define sex? <laughs> it, there's, it, it, we talk about it in the book. It, there's so much nuance to this. Mm -hmm. But again, sex is made for your spouse to be enjoyed in the covenant of marriage for your own good. It's for your own good to be in this covenant of marriage because you're giving yourself to this person. So it's made to be enjoyed in the covenant of marriage. Um, and it's, it's made to serve the other person, not just yourself. Right. So husbands, what this means is if your wife doesn't feel comfortable with something, you need to not ask her to do it. Um, means you need to respect her enough to not do it. Um, so how do you talk to your kids about that? Well, first of all, you model it in your marriage. Um, second of all, uh, you say what it is. A lot of kids, and I did this, I mean, you use things like oral sex and like um, having someone, uh, someone else masturbate you. Um, you use those things as like, oh, I didn't have sex. Well, I mean, it's right there in the name of it. I mean, come on, like oral sex is sex. But um, the Bible ramps it just, up. Yeah. So like, Jesus is like, if you look at someone lustfully, you've broken it. Right. So... But in all of this, we got to be careful. Like, you've got to call something what it is, yeah. and then you need to you need to lead your kid to Christ. Right. Um, that's just what it is, and that's uncomfortable. It just is, right? And you need to see, like, um, we need to get rid of this idea that if you um, that if while you're dating someone, um, like you have oral sex, that somehow that makes you impure. Um, like Jessica said before, like uh, if you look at somebody lustfully, you're impure. Um, if you're if you're guilty of breaking one part of the law, you're guilty of breaking all of it. That's James. Like good luck with that. Um, and so um, you call it what it is. Uh, calling it what it is really releases it from its power yeah. in a lot of ways. And then um, and then you you lead your kids to Christ. Uh, I think. You want to stop there? Yeah, let's pray. Okay. Let me, uh, you, will you pray? I'll pray. Okay. okay I'll pray. <laughs> she didn't feel like praying. Such the bad Christian. Um, she must have not. Yeah, come on now. Um, all right, let's pray. God, thank you so much um, that we can embrace the awkward with you because you, um, like you welcome us and you encourage us as your kids to cry out, Abba, Father. Um, to come to you with the concerns and the cares of our hearts. Lord, we pray, um, I pray, first of all, for anyone uh, who has come to these talks, uh, who has been uh, molested or raped or been taken advantage of um, sexually. Lord, I pray that you would grant them mercy. 
Um, Lord, I pray that they would find comfort and hope in you. Um, Lord, I pray with great thankfulness uh, for all of us um, who come to you as people who are uh, impure. And you, by the blood of Christ, have washed us clean and made us pure. Uh, you've clothed us and robed us in his righteousness, and you call us sons and daughters. Lord, um, we pray that you would uh, just drive that deep into our hearts so that the gospel like comes out of our pores. Um, it becomes the air that we breathe. And then, Lord, we pray for our kids. Um, we pray for our kids uh, who may be yet to be born, kids who are already, already uh, with us. Lord, we pray that you would... Uh, Help us to not be uh, ruled by the mistakes or ashamed by the ways in which we've blown uh, having these sorts of conversations with our kids. Um, Lord, we pray that you would uh, grant us great mercy in that. We also pray, Lord, that you would bring our kids to, to, to you. Uh, God, save our children, please. Um, Lord, we pray uh, for all of us uh, that you would uh, forgive our sins for Christ's sake. Uh, forgive the ways uh, in which we have been haughty, we've been proud, um, the ways in which we've lusted. Uh, Lord, forgive us for the ways in which we've been gluttonous, um, it's only sought to, to like feed our own desires. Lord, we pray that you would grant us mercy. And Lord, we pray even now that you would be preparing our hearts, our kids' hearts, and um, and the hearts of the people all around the world uh, who come to worship you tomorrow, the Lord, we would, uh, we would come and meet you there. Um, we pray all of this in Christ's name. Amen. Amen. Thank you, guys.